Welcome, welcome to the Bugle Live. Um, welcome to the Leicester Square Theatre. Uh, here in uh, the beating heart of London's glamorous London area, this is the Bugle Live, Thursday the 16th of November 2017. Later on in today's show, we'll be finding out what happens when you try to juggle chainsaws blindfolded. Um, turns out it makes a big difference whether or not you have them switched on. And we'll uh, also be examining the rights and wrongs of attempting to resuscitate pharaohs from their sarcophaguses just to see the looks on their little beardy faces. And we will also be asking why in general. And uh, once again, we will be bringing you exclusive coverage of everything that's happened on planet Earth, uh, as well as tips on hair. <laughs> Leave it well alone. Um, makeup, always make things up. And. Uh, how to avoid javelins, and the key is don't invade Greece in about 480 BC. Um, so this uh, is uh, doubling up as Bugle 4050, uh, and we're recording Thursday the 16th of November 2017. Very special day for everyone here today and listening at home, because the 16th of November, ladies and gentlemen, as I'm sure you don't need me to tell you, is slightly more likely to fall on a Monday, Wednesday or Friday. <laughs> There are 58 of them in uh, every 400 years. Then uh, on a Saturday or Sunday, uh, it's only 57. Uh, but of course, the rarest of the days to have a 16th of November on Tuesday and Thursday. Just 56 every 400 years. And yet here we are on this rarest, rarest of all 16ths of Novembers today. As of course, all God-fearing subjects of the universe know is the feast day of, ladies and gentlemen... Correct, it is St. Hugh of Lincoln. I'm slightly surprised you knew that. Uh, who died on this day in the year? I knew this wasn't going to work. What? Who died on this day in the year? 1220. 1220, yeah, you're very, very good. And, uh, of course, he was the patron saint of... Beatboxing. No, no, uh, no, he wasn't the patron saint of beatboxing. Try again. He was the patron saint of... Sex Dungeons? Not, I don't think that's on his official list. One more go. The patron saint of... Swans. Swans, correct. Yes, he was the patron saint of swans. Let's have a look at him, Chris. Uh, here he is. There we see uh, Hugh. That is St. Hugh with a cheeky little swan down there. Uh, for our viewers watching only with their ears at home, uh, this is uh, he's got a swan. Uh, he's got the regulation uh, saintly frisbee stuck to his head there. The saint... Golden frisbee that all saints have. Uh, that's how you can tell a saint um, uh, or a child with an aggressive sibling. And um, and he's holding, as you can see here, Saint Hugh is holding what can only be described as a cup full of Jesus. That is uh, a golden goblet with the infant Christ in. What I want to know is, is Saint Hugh using Jesus as a cocktail stick and if so what the f does that turn his cocktail into um, I guess merch is merch um, uh, and uh, to mark this historic day the feast day of St Hugh of Lincoln uh, uh, we have a special swans quiz uh, you have to tell me ladies and gentlemen which of the following facts about swans is the least false <laughs> is it fact one bagpipes were invented when a Scottish monk in the year 783 AD 
was caught lustfully French kissing a swan and then hastily pretended he was doing music practice by squeezing the swan until it cried. Is it fact two? The Queen is constitutionally allowed to use a pair of swans as magic shoes to walk across a lake. Is it fact three? The average length of a swan's neck is three centimetres. What we think of uh, as their necks are, in fact, periscopes with a fake head on. <laughs> or is it fact four? St Hugh of Lincoln employed an aggressively violent guard swan as his bodyguard. Uh, the swan would honk at anyone who came near uh, Hugh of Lincoln using phrases such as... Chris? <laughs> got, got the translations here. That meant, f*** you, buddy. <laughs> also this. That means, clear off, you obvious shithead. And uh, uh, swan phrase three. <laughs> Oi, you non-swan schmuck, hands off my Huey, or I will beak you in the balls, capiche? If you so much as look at him, you short-necked bastard, I will personally feather-honk you into the middle of next week. This is Hugh of f***ing Lincoln we're talking about. You <laughs> Um... <laughs> yeah, a bit of sophisticated swan satire there for you, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, <laughs> as always, ladies and gentlemen, section of this audio live newspaper is going straight... In the bin! I can't hear you, it's going straight... In the bin! In the what? In the bin! Correct, in the bin. Uh, this, this week, a pyramids section going straight... Uh, not top story, Chris, it's in the f***ing bin, mate. Yeah, I'm having one or two technical errors over here. Really? Do you just carry on and assume okay. it's all fine? <laughs> all right. Yeah, good point. Tell it like it is. Uh, this week's section in the bin, a special pyramids feature section. Now, uh, uh, any uh, archaeology fans in might have seen that they've discovered uh, a big void in the Great Pyramid at Giza, the last resting place of Pharaoh Khufu. Got any Khufu fans in? Uh, <laughs> that's a surprise. Um, if you doubled up with a little stint at the British Museum and then you come down here for the day out of all day to... But you, right, yeah, it's about time someone put that in his place. Oh, I'm sorry, they already did that four and a half thousand years ago. Um, anyway, they... Uh, um, quite literally put it in his place. Um, uh, they discovered uh, a new, a new uh, cavity in the Great Pyramids. Uh, they'd already discovered one previously. It was 47 metres long and 8 metres high. Uh, uh, and uh, that's only one explanation for that. Cricket net with a bowling machine. Uh, <laughs> so that's an easy mistake to make as an amateur historian, to project your values onto times gone by. That's a very dangerous thing to do. So what could this new void be for? Archaeologists say it's probably just a matter of architectural necessity, but that seems unlikely to me. I reckon man cave. Uh, five TV screens for the dead pharaoh, beer fridge, pool table, jukebox, pinball machine, somewhere to just chill out for those long stretches when just lying, in a, lying dead in a pyramid gets a little bit dull. And uh, in the bin this week, we've got a pyramid fact box. Khufu's Pyramid, also known as uh, Cheops Pyramids, the Great Pyramid of Giza, also known as the 140-metre-high pointy pimped-up coffin. Uh, some facts about that coffin for you. Fact one, if the Great Pyramid of Giza had been built upside down, it would have fallen over by now. <laughs> 
Khufu's uh, pyramid held the world record for world's tallest human-made structure for a cool 3,800 years. Sadly, no, it's now well down the list, and it's not looking good either for getting back on that podium. It's going to have to grow by 700 metres to overtake the Burj Khalifa. And the most a pyramid has ever grown in the last thousand years is, uh, I'm afraid, 600 metres, and that was very briefly. Um, uh, the, um, also in the bin, it's, uh, ain't, it's World Philosophy Day today. Uh, who's, who's done some philosophy today? Yeah, what, what bit of philosophy? Chris, can you find out what bit of philosophy? Where's the, uh, uh, Where is he? Where is he? Right, right, right at the back right, there, we've, okay. we've planned this badly. Excuse me. Uh, so what, what philosophy have you done there, mate? The distinction between the self and the society as a whole. The distinction between the self and society as a whole. Right. And what... And, what, and what's, what, what's, what's your conclusion? That yourself is just you and society whole is lots of other people too? Is that... Uh, in, in particular, the question of what is the difference between happiness and contentment? I don't know. What is the difference between happiness and contentment? Um, we, classic setup. <laughs> we consider that happiness may be a more childish and less sophisticated value, whereas contentment is right. more mature and uh, Smug. considered. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy with that. Okay. Right. All right, it's time to meet our guests for today's bugle. Um, Chris, already on stage. Here, the producer who holds the all-time universe record for most episodes of The Bugle produced. Uh, the man who twiddles knobs for a living. Uh, that's a Jilly Coop, Cooper novel as well. Uh, uh, but it's time now to meet our two defendant contestants. Guests. Sorry. Hello. And today is International Day for Tolerance, as well as uh, philosophy. But to mark International Tolerance Day, I'm delighted to announce that tonight's guests I'm tolerating are a woman and a man of Asian descent. You, you cannot get more tolerant than that, surely. Please welcome all the way from the hemisphere that's produced such famous landmasses as Antarctica. Back up to Britain to bring her unique brand of Australio-Buddhist Catholic Jewish wit to, and wisdom to the northern half of the planet. It is Alice Fraser! <laughs> having said anything mean about the flamingos because the Bugle audience keeps sending me pictures of flamingos. <laughs> I'm wishing I'd said something like, oh, I hate cute babies, turtles and tea, and then I'd get a, a plethora of the things I like. But, you know, the, uh, hatred is its own reward. <laughs> and now to uh, join us, the man who stirs the hot peppers of political humour into the chilli con carne of current affairs... <laughs> The satirically barbacious Scott Bonnet, the human jalapeno himself, Nish Kumar! (laughs) (laughs) So, for the. Nish, can you just explain for the. For the boys and girls at home, exactly what is on this screen right now. Well, look, let's start. Let's start right here. So... I mean... First of all, 
Hello, Andy, Alice and Chris, and hello, Buglers. Now, let's jump right in here. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, there was a sort of Wikipedia sort of prang uh, involving the Bugle audience and myself, where I sort of mentioned that I had some, uh, I have some younger cousins who did some serious damage to my Wikipedia page. Unfortunately, what I forgot was that is a red rag to about 250,000 bulls stationed all over the world who defaced my Wikipedia page well, beyond recognition. Uh, and one of the defacements involved the uh, idea that I had presented a, uh, a talk show uh, called uh, Nude with Nish, where I, completely naked, interviewed Nigel Farage, Lily Allen and Steve Coogan and uh, the, rated their anecdotes based on the response of my penis. Now, what's happened here, for the benefit of the listeners, is that... Uh, I don't, I don't use the phrase inundated lightly, but I have been absolutely inundated with images of myself naked. Uh, and one is currently on the screen at the moment. Now, let's a couple of... Cu the most important thing to note here is that uh, this is a doctored photo. <laughs> really? That, yeah. Listen, that is, a, that is a doctored photo... But let me just say this, it is a doctored photo, but it is alarmingly accurate. <laughs> I don't even know how that is possible. I don't wish to give away too much of my mystique, but very few people have seen my naked body. <laughs> so I don't know quite how they've managed that. Yeah, it's very, I mean, it's very concerning. And Nigel Farage is sort of sat on the side for looking at me, really, as he would do if he was faced with a nude <laughs> Asian man. <laughs> Bit of fun, innit? <laughs> also, let me just say this. High level of heckling. <laughs> I, was standing back, I was standing at the side of the stage. At most comedy gigs, the heckles are things like F*** off your shit, not the distinction between the self and society. <laughs> that is a very unusual heckle. F*** <laughs> 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 me! How's, uh, how's the Wikipedia defacement? Is your page still locked? My page is still locked. Only Wikipedia administrators can get into that. And as I've said that, I realise I should not have said that because... <laughs> the odds of a bugler being a Wikipedia administrator are, let's face it, a statistical inevitability. When you're a group of people that heckle with the phrase the distinction between self and society, these are not the jocks of modern life. <laughs> One of these, and I do use the word advisedly, f***ing is going to absolutely get onto my page. But the because my page is locked, they've now spread it onto your page. Oh, really? Right. And so I've been contacted uh, by a gentleman called uh, David Chikapaku on Twitter, who has alerted me to the fact that they doctored your page so that it said, Andy Zaltzman once played Queen Elizabeth II at the Royal Variety Performance. <laughs> <laughs> with Nish Kumar providing vocals on a rendition of My Neck, My Back. <laughs> Kumar also played the Mariba during the show. I, don't, I mean, I don't remember doing that, Andy, but it's possible. It was one hell of a night, to be fair. It's, a, it's another classic outing for the chocolate boy and his Jew friend, as I believe... <laughs>
a double act has been referred to. <laughs> that was a Rudyard Kipling story, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah, it was the it was the working title of the Jungle Book. Not a lot of people know this. But Baloo is actually Jewish. His full name is Baloo Rabinowitz. A lot of people don't know that. <laughs> if you play the bare necessities backwards, it's actually the Torah, I think. I think that's right. The what? Sorry. No, no, no. I'm, uh, I'm, out, I'm out of the loop. It's been a while. Right, it's time for our top story, Chris. Top story this week, and, well, Big Bobby Mugabe, the pin-up boy of post-imperial <laughs> economic mismanagement. <laughs> and, and 53-time African snappy dresser of the year, based on that photo, uh, is currently enjoying a non-voluntary staycation. Um, <laughs> spending some quality time with himself under house arrest. Uh, Although his house, the official, uh, I don't know if he's in the official presidential residence, but that is, of course, just around the corner from Harare Sports Club Cricket Ground, where, of course, Zimbabwe have played 177 international matches, <laughs> including 34 tests. So, um, what, an ex what an exciting week for fans of 93-year-old uh, dictators being usurped. Yeah, it's an absolutely huge week for old Bobby Muggs. Uh, after... Th 34 years of despotic rule, appalling hyperinflation, and one of the world's truly weird moustaches. Robert Mugabe is completely f***ed, and he is, yeah, he's under house arrest. Although, when they say, I keep reading reports that say he's confined to his house by the military, and you're like, he's 93 years old. You don't need the military to do that, you just need a particularly steep set of stairs. <laughs> it, there's been some dispute over whether or not it is technically a coup or not. Uh, the African Union president says it seems like a coup. The military are denying that it's a coup, and they did so in a broadcast from the state television station that they had taken over. And you have to admire the barefaced, cooey balls of that. I guess as the old saying goes, if it looks like a duck, walks like a duck, and quacks like a duck, it's probably an ally of Robert Mugabe in a duck outfit disguise trying to sneak his way to safety past a load of soldiers in a f***ing tank. So, um, <laughs> it's not a military takeover of government, says the military, having taken over. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it doesn't look great. Uh, the root of the conflict uh, in this occasion is that uh, a couple of, uh, last week, Mugabe sacked Emerson Mugangwa, his former deputy, who it was assumed would take power, and it was widely assumed that this was a way of clearing a path for his 52-year-old wife, Grace to assume power, uh, who is quite a divisive figure. A lot of people feel that her lavish spending at a time where many Zimbabweans experienced horrendous economic conditions was at best distasteful. And there are others who are fine with it, presumably because she is paying them to say they're fine with it <laughs> as part of her incredibly lavish lifestyle. <laughs> and they met in the 1990s. This is an alarming detail that I did not know. They met in the 1990s while Mugabe was married to his wife Sally as she suffered from terminal cancer. And just when you think it can't get any worse, it gets worse. Which, in many ways, is the epithet of Robert Mugabe's time in charge of Zimbabwe. Also terminal cancer. Yeah. <laughs> Zing. <laughs> he, this is a direct quote from Mugabe, right? On, on his courtship of Grace whilst he was married to his wife, Sally, who, let's remember, was dying. 
It was necessary for me to look for someone. And even as Sally was still going through her last few days, although it might have appeared to some as cruel, I decided to make love to Grace. Now, just when you think, again, all right, immediately we know Mugabe is a fully class act, right? But this is what he says of Grace. She happened to be one of the nearest. (laughs) And she was a divorcee herself, and so it was. Oh, boy, that is like listening to a Barry White record. (laughs) That is so romantic, you just want to f***. At the first dance of my wedding, I don't want love is all around or every breath you take. I want to hear a recording of this on a loop for three minutes. <laughs> so was he the first man to swipe right in the sense that he swiped his wife <laughs> off her deathbed? <laughs> swipe left or right. I'm slightly out of the loop with these things as well. Uh, well but what now? What do you think, what's Mugabe going to do now? He's, you know, it's hard to get a new career when you lose your job at 93, isn't it? <laughs> I reckon he can retrain in IT. Well, you say that. I mean, he does have some transferable skills. He's an autocratic ruler. He likes to get his own way. He has no moral scruples. He's unconcerned over the impact of his actions on those lower down the social and economic food chain. And he's done some terrible things in the past. So, yes, heading up a Silicon Valley tech firm. (laughs) Next move. Or the next president of America. (laughs) He's not fit. I mean, he's still officially head of state, I think, as as we speak. If he ceases to be that... At 93, he is currently the oldest serving professional head of state. And if he is fully officially deposed, that title would instead fall to the reigning 66-time United Kingdom non-executive figurehead of the year and still undisputed World Constitutional Neutrality Federation crown-wearing champion (laughs) from London, England, and Windsor, England, and Sandringham, England... And Balmoral, Scotland. <laughs> and anywhere there's a swan or a postbox, I think. Uh, it's Queen Elizabeth, the indefatigably incredible. Those are what the two eyes stand for after her name, by the way. So uh, that's, uh, we'll, have a little, we'll have a little sound of... <laughs> Hang on, here it is. Silvio is back, the uh, Italy's leading recording artist, uh, Silvio, <laughs> Silvio Berlusconi. Uh, there he is, uh, demonstrating a grip for the uh, outswinger, I think. Uh, the, um, <laughs> um, <laughs> he looks like someone fitted the reanimated corpse of Tutankhamun with a set of unconvincing elephant ivory dentures. <laughs> just, oh, just so stretched, so tight, so malicious. <laughs> He's like the a horrendous STI that the Italian population just can't seem to get rid of. <laughs> He's the king of sweaty ball sacks, the Milanese maverick, the Don Juan of Milan, the Italian rapscallion, the Duke of Dick, the Guido del Libido. <laughs> He's like one of those egg dolls that's heavy at the bottom and when you push it, it just comes back. Not just because he's weirdly spherical, but because he's really bottom-heavy with an uncanny load of bullshit. <laughs> he's, he's recovered from criminal and, and civil convictions as well as open-heart surgery, which is both the only time his heart's been open and uh, was the only remaining part of his body that hadn't been cosmetically enhanced. <laughs> there is a man who's had a cosmetic scrotal lift, if I've ever seen one, <laughs> which I haven't... 
<laughs> he, he's, he's just, he's indestructible. He had a, a four-year sentence for fraud. It was commuted to one year of unpaid community service, which I assume he served in judging underage beauty pageants at local shopping malls <laughs> as an unpaid breast inspector. <laughs> the reason they didn't send him to jail is because he's over 70, which is a generously low estimate of the age of someone who's clearly the embodiment of an ancient archetypal asshole. <laughs> It's the comeback nobody wanted to clean off their bedsheets. <laughs> Family show, Alice. Family show. It is a bit like all of the sexual misdemeanors that have been in the news were almost a challenge to him. <laughs> he read about Weinstein and he was like, not on my watch, son. Just getting the team back together for yeah. one last shot yeah, of the big yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. By the team, I mean his willy and his balls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His controversies have their own Wikipedia page. Like, he is that much of a shit that his misbehaviour is its own online entity. <laughs> He's, I think Berlusconi is to Trump what Mussolini was to Hitler. Just like a thin film of skin and hair over like partic particle board mannequins made of crystallised human sweat and regret dreams. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't put it better myself. <laughs> One of his former ministers had said that he's sort of, in his time away from the limelight, he's mellowed. Uh, but, but then he uh, came out and gave a speech, uh, and this is a direct quote from one of the reporters at the scene. Addressing the topic of immigration, the 81-year-old proudly recounted the time his good friend, Munmar Gaddafi, took him on a tour of a migrant centre, during which Berlusconi noted the absence of B-Days in the lavatory. When the late Libyan dictator asked what the B-Day was used for, Berlusconi emphasised the importance of washing before oral sex. The billionaire's punchline... I taught the Africans about foreplay had its desired effect during laughter and applause. Now, I have a lot of questions here. <laughs> Firstly, does Silvio Berlusconi consider washing to be foreplay? <laughs> because that is not okay. And secondly, that is not what a B-Day is for. You can't, it's difficult to turn, like, be become sexually aroused by going, hold on one second, I'm just gonna wash myself in something people used to clean shit off their ass. <laughs> and also, it manages to be sexist, racist, uh, offensive. There was a name drop for uh, one of the other worst people of all time. But this was perfect Silvio. This was like if Elvis had opened his 68 comeback special whilst playing Hound Dog in a player of Bruce Wade's shoes at the same time. <laughs> Arts news time now, and, uh, well, fans of the world's uh, art transfer market have had a sensational week. Has anyone here bought a piece of art for £400 million? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well done. Uh, it's been a great week for that. Uh, Leonardo da Vinci uh, smashed the world record. So uh, th there's um, another classic team-up between uh, Leonardo da Vinci and uh, Jesus, one of his uh, top models, and... Um, <laughs> <laughs> As you can see, holding a, uh, a bubble. <laughs> I don't know what's... A bit of glass? Is that a crystal ball? It's a yeah. metaphor for the art world. Right. Uh, <laughs> Ooh. As you can that, see... That was received with more controversy than I'd anticipated, Chris. <laughs> I didn't realise the Bugle had a huge Sotheby's contingent. <laughs> Jesus, the uh, good-looking uh, young European white man that he was, yeah. uh, as we all know. He is demonstrating a grip for the off-cutter rather than the outswinger there. See, fingers down the side of the seam. 
There we go. For those not, not in the room tonight, Chris has superimposed the head of the 1990s, early 2000s Australian fast bowler, Jason Gillespie, on the head of Christ. So that's... Which I believe means you're getting at least two-thirds of an eternity in hell. Chris. <laughs> I will see you Promotion. there. Um, uh, there's other alternative interpretations. Some people think that, because you know these paintings were painted over, it was Jesus smoking a gitan uh, in, a, in an advert. Um, uh, he was a good cricketer, actually, Jesus. Um, took, um, was he? Yeah, he was. He took five for 17 for the Bethlehem Blasters against the... Uh, <laughs> The Jericho Snout in 19 AD. Uh, rookie of the year in the Holy Land Super League that year, of course, before quitting cricket to concentrate on messiahing. Uh, magic tricks, homebrew and endurance donkey racing. Um, it's such a shame Israeli cricket has really fallen off since then. Um, uh, or it could be Jesus casually flicking a V at a Roman policeman who'd uh, accuse him of being messianic without a licence. And $450 million this went for. Uh, including fees. My worry, though, uh, is that is this kind of transfer fee pricing ordinary people, <laughs> ordinary families and kids out of buying the works of old masters? I mean, it's, it used to be something you do on a Saturday afternoon, wouldn't it? Where you, you know, you go with your go with your parents, nip down the local auction house and uh, you know buy a Masaccio or something, or, and still have change for a few pints with the kids at the pub on the way home. But uh, Today's young art fans are just going to grow up, you know, kind of supporting their, uh, you know, they're just going to watch art documentaries on telly rather than actually going out there and buying. <laughs> Absolutely disgusting. What happened to English art? <laughs> what happened to us supporting young English artists instead of importing this foreign nonsense over? <laughs> Absolutely disgraceful. Although uh, I didn't realise that it was 400 million. That does mean this painting is technically worth four Neymars. For two Neymars, wasn't he 200 million? Was Neymar 200 million? He was. Yeah. Don't, don't bring lies to this show. <laughs> <laughs> this is ruthless And also, if anything, go higher, not lower. For fact, <laughs> Have I taught you nothing? <laughs> it, it, was a, it was a truly historic uh, auction. The auctioneer accepted. Uh, he paused just before making the enunciation of the final bid. What? Uh, was that a f***ing pun? Uh, Jesus, I, I mean, that guy. I am disgusted. I did not know that puns were an airborne contagion. <laughs> Apparently one of, the, one, of the, one of the other men in the room kept bidding to rent the painting and complaining that he wasn't allowed to rent the painting, but he was just a, a Mona Lisa. Oh. What the actual f***ing shit is going on here? What the f*** is going on? One of the other attendees was just a floating orb sent by a wizard to take a look at the painting until a rival wizard turned it into a snake. It was the uh, adoration of the mage eye. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and uh, following the this is more this is worse than the Passion of the Christ. <laughs> what you are doing to Jesus now is worse than what Mel Gibson did to him in that film. He was guilty though. Let's not forget. <laughs> Never forget. Never. I always forget you were a creative consultant on that movie. <laughs> I imagine it was quite a tricky working relationship between you and Mel Gibson. <laughs> uh, following oh, there's f***ing more! Yeah. <laughs> F 
Following the sale of the Da Vinci, other items were auctioned, including a tablet of ecstasy, allegedly the final piece of a collection of drugs owned by Liberace before his death. It was the last offer. <laughs> I'm not sorry! I'm not... Have you finished? Oh, that was a bit of an uppity tone for oh, you, of all f***ing people, to take, Zaltzman. Have we that's, finished? That's like Obi-Wan admonishing Luke for using his lightsaber indoors. <laughs> Not clear who the buyer was at 340 million quid. A bugle sadly had to drop out of the bidding when it went over. <laughs> when it topped the 200 million mark, it was either that or a nuclear deterrent. And uh, I know which way I'm going on that. Um, but you also worry that agents of uh, some other big paintings are going to start agitating for transfers now. <laughs> the rumour is the Mona Lisa is getting unsettled at the Louvre. <laughs> <laughs> Whilst uh, here in London, Franz Houses, the Laughing Cavalier, is reportedly phoning it in at the Wallace Collection. <laughs> and it does look inevitable they can't stop him getting his dream moved to the Prado Museum in Real Madrid. <laughs> and, uh, well, Canova's Three Graces, the uh, celebrity uh, sculpture, works so well as a team, but that now market forces are going to drive that apart. Looks like Euphrosyne is joining a big-money Chinese gallery. <laughs> Whilst Aglaia is off to the Met in New York City to try and crack it on the Major League Sculpture Circuit. And failure is contemplating retiring to become a TV art pundit. So, <laughs> disappointing Look, for me, the three graces. So you're, where are the three graces as a sculpture? Didn't, uh, didn't really capture the sporting essence of any of the three cricket-playing brothers, <laughs> WG, EM and GF Grace, who, of course, made their debut for England in the same match in 1880. They, uh, yeah, definitely, definitely lacked the beard. <laughs> What about the chapel? <laughs> Again, I cannot emphasise yeah. how f***ing weird these heckles are. Uh, listen, I understand that in context, this all makes sense, but you have to understand, this is a decade of performing. Very many gigs in this room, and I'm not used to people shouting out, what about the chapel brothers? <laughs> news. Uh, famous and beloved comedian Louis C.K. has uh, been outed by a number of women for abusing his power in the latest in a series of scandals about men in power abusing their power, which reminds me of uh, last Thursday and also every single day in history before that. <laughs> Look, it was a different time, which is to say, before he got in trouble, and the thing to remember... <laughs> is that there are now literally millions of men literally shitting their pants and regretting every time they ever pushed it. Uh, to the, yeah, and I want to just put a message out there to all the people who, are, who I've seen on the internet who are like, no, oh, we're not meant to hit on women anymore. Won't the human race die out? I say, look, if you can't get a woman to breed with you unless you look down her top or aggressively jerk off in front of her while you stand between her and the door, your sperm deserves to die in the pot plant. <laughs> you spunked it into... <laughs> and unless you have mutant genes that have the capacity to spawn a race of half-human, half-shrubs, you belong at the end of your family tree. <laughs> Get some game, comedy mates. You're funny, powerful, and can string a sentence together. Here is a fun game to play. Next time you feel like showing your penis to a relative stranger, don't. <laughs> yeah. Also, if you are planning on apologising for any misdemeanours, a handy hint. Always include the word sorry. <laughs> it, really, it really sells the apology element. And try not to mention how often people admire you. <laughs> it's also slightly odd to me that a stand-up comedian uh, 
felt the need... Well, I basically felt that doing stand-up comedy was not self-indulgent enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I felt like that. You know, every night of the week you get to jerk off in front of strangers. <laughs> Let's do bird news now. And uh, cockatoos have eaten the internet. Uh, also in Australia, I don't know if this was some kind of... Uh, there we go, it's a cockatoo chewing a cable. They've been chewing through internet cables. Yeah, the NBN, which is the National yeah. Broadband Network. It's a you know, multi-billion dollar, three billion dollar internet infrastructure project and it's being eaten by cockatoos. Luddites. Uh, they're just, yeah... Can't handle progress. Then maybe they have a taste for internet trolling. Oh. I, uh, as an Australian, I speak with authority. Cockatoos, like ladies out on a hen's night, are very pretty, smug, louder than you'd expect, and chew the shit out of the edges of your house. Gazella <laughs> uh, Kaplan, a professor in animal, animal behaviour at the University of New England, told The Guardian it was unusual for cockatoos to target cables, uh, which would be useful information if it wasn't contradicted by the fact. Uh, <laughs> I don't know whether it's the tang of online trolling, the sweet, sweet flavour of YouTube makeup influencers pouring down the pipes. These cockatoos have a discriminating palate for the information superhighway. Uh, experts were warned that if they continue to chew into the NBN cables, they'll eventually develop into an avian super race with a taste for calling people cucks and suddenly <laughs> springing pornographic pop-up ads into your work emails. <laughs> you naive fools. <laughs> you all think that this is a bird. Those birds are under the employ of the Russian government. <laughs> there is no way. If we get a hold of one of those cockatoos, it's going to mysteriously turn out to be called Vladimir and hail from St. Petersburg. <laughs> uh, in other bird news, there's a, um, for any buglers in the Channel Islands, uh, beware, there is a terrorist seagull that has been attacking people. Oh, now that was my wrestling name. <laughs> the terrorist seagull. There has uh, been a seagull attacking people. Uh, in uh, the, the Channel Islands. Not yet clear exactly what cause the seagull is fighting for. Um, <laughs> maybe something to do with EU fishing quotas or seagull enfranchisements um, or taxation. They do a lot of their business offshore, of course. Uh, could be maybe some bizarre, arcane, extremist seagull interpretation of the Bible. We just don't know. We just... Uh, please have described the Terragull, which has a silent P on the beginning. Um, <laughs> taking a transcript of this. Please have described him as winged and dangerous. Um, and it's interesting, actually, that this terrorist seagull... Donald Trump has been eerily, eerily quiet on the subject of a terrorist seagull. But Sad. You know, if, that if that had been a bird with brown or black feathers, he'd have been all over it. <laughs> he'd have been telling us we need to send all the pheasants back to pheasantistan. <laughs> Um, and, uh, well, part of this, uh, this bugle bird section, uh, we can cross over now to join our live... Um, our, uh, <laughs> we can cross over now to join our, our live partner uh, bird podcast for this special bird section. Hello, everyone. I am Hieronymus Glenick, and welcome to What If Jane Austen Had Been a Puffin? the latest in a series of the British Literary Review podcasts, examining what great authors would have been like had they been a specific species of bird. In previous episodes, we came to the conclusions that Fyodor Dostoevsky, had he been an albatross, would probably have eaten a quite considerable quantity of fish, whilst if Miguel de Cervantes had been a pheasant, 
he would likely have been shot for sport before pecking out even a single of his literary masterpieces. To discuss Austin as Puffin, I am joined by Clifford Marinette from the British Puffin Association and Professor Julietta Snaysmark, author, of course, of Jane Austen, novelist, woman, acrobat, spy. Uh, Clifford, if I may start with you, Austin was, of course, seldom renowned for her brightly coloured beak. Oh, that's quite right, Hieronymus. But? Now, Andy, when, <laughs> when you said we were short of time... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, yeah, we are, we are quite short of time. But interestingly, a lot of, uh, a lot of famous uh, singers own birds, uh, own... Uh, Birds from the... Oh, birds from the... Uh, from the, from the uh, bird order. The, uh, and Alice, I don't Cetacic know why forms. I will take issue with you looking upset at this point. You are an enabler and a participant. I was trying to hit it off at the pass. You, that, that, it just true. encourages him. Yeah, a lot of famous singers, apparently. Oh, yeah? Uh, yeah oh. Come on. Uh, uh, you looked one, me in the eyes as you did one, that, and it was, was f***ing horrendous. There was one... I liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I saw your soul. Uh, there was one. Uh, there was one of these uh, these birds who was jointly owned by two uh, famous singers with the same surname, Jarvis from the Britpop band Pulp and the uh, '60s soul blues singer Joe, the uh, the cockatoo. Uh, anyway. A friend of mine had a uh, used to keep all of his uh, keep all of his uh, his parrots in a in a in his uh, in his vehicle. Uh, it was a bit of a weird vehicle. It was black and white, painted black and white in the pattern of a large woodland creature. He called it his badgery car. <laughs> I think you, we'll do, leave just a little insight into this. Yes. Just before we came uh, on stage, Andy said to me, "Oh, is a badger a rodent?" And I was like, <laughs> the, "The level of fact checking that goes into this bullshit." <laughs> I mean, he, he lost his keys. He was looking through a big pile of keys, and he said, "Are these mine?" Nah. nah, yeah! nah. <laughs> Couldn't find them. He was so annoyed. African great. The, the, Af the African great. African. Great. <laughs> F you. <laughs> um, anyway, I remember he, he, he died. I'll finish uh, finish with this one. He died. He went. Uh, my friend went out to celebrate. Uh, um, getting a new bird and uh, he was eating seafood in a French restaurant and I'll never forget the phone call I got from the restaurant telling us uh, he'd sadly choked to death on a large oyster that he'd eaten whole shell and all and the French waiter rang me up and said il a swallowé le grand coquetil est now look I think what you have to admire here is that I've done two birds two birds with a syllable cock in and I've not gone down the obvious route on either one I hope you admire that Hugo. Wow, that, I mean, that is one of the, that was like a hostile round of applause. I never thought I would hear a round of applause laced with so much malice again. Uh, be, be quiet. Now, right, it's a, right, uh, well, we have, uh, we have run spectacularly over time. Um, thank you uh, to the Letters Square Theatre for having us. Please show your appreciation for everyone you've seen tonight. You've seen Chris the producer. Woo! You've seen... The Thinking Man's Naked Man, Nish Kumar, and Alice Fraser. Until next time, goodbye.
Ladies and gentlemen, one more time for Andrew Zaltzman. Stuck the landing. There you go, the prime cuts of Thursday's live show. Whilst I've got you, could I politely entreat you to listen to my new BBC Radio 4 show entitled My Life As A... in which I explore and attempt to live by the teachings of three leading branches of ancient philosophy, starting this week with Stoicism. The show features some genuinely fascinating interviews with people who know far, far more about philosophy and indeed life than I do. If you look up BBC Radio 4, Andy Zaltzman and My Life Azza, then you should find the programme page where you can listen. Also available next Thursday, the first episode of The Unbelievable Ashes. That's my new cricket podcast covering the imminent, very, very imminent, excitingly imminent Australia v England test match series co-hosted by the excellent Australian comedian Felicity Ward and produced by Tom Wright, ex-Bugle producer from the early days for ABC Radio. That's The Unbelievable Ashes, first episode available on Thursday. If you enjoyed this week's live Bugle excerpts, why not come to the next live Bugle shows, also at the Leicester Square Theatre, on the 18th of January and the 22nd of February. Details on the internet. And whilst you're at it, why don't you build up to that by also coming to see my show at London Soho Theatre. That's Andy Zaltzman's 2017 The Certifiable History. It runs from the 18th of December to the 6th of January, with the odd day off here and there for things like uh, eating a lot of turkey with my family. It's the second instalment of my exclusive year-by-year chronicle of this planet, and is frankly the greatest Christmas present you can possibly get for yourself, your family, your friends, your enemies, your bodyguards, your pets, your knitting coach, your monarch, and even your spouse and or spouses. I'm not judging you. Go to the Soho Theatre website for details. I can guarantee it will be better than sitting at home staring into a bucket of cabbages. That is an absolute Zaltzman guarantee. No further demands, Buglers. You are now free to go about your business. And don't forget to tell everyone you know to listen to the Bugle, or there will be hell to pay. Uh, thank you for listening, Buglers. Until next time, goodbye. Andy Zaltzman, live at Soho Theatre, 18th of December to 6th of January. Don't miss it, or you will regret everything for the rest of your life. Hi, it's producer Chris from The Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth, Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you, you, you must be so excited. Listen now.